0: Thank you. Amen. So good to be here with you and a tremendous honor. As he mentioned, uh, as an African-American uh, of African descent, I can not tell you uh, the deep emotion and uh, joy that I have not only to be here, but to be here and even minister the word of God. Before I came, many years ago, I took the Ancestry DNA test. To find out where I was from or where I might be connected to, and because I am African American, it's got many, con- I mean, many countries with different percentages. So, the, the DNA test says that I am 12% Ghanaian. So my mission in coming here, from the time I've been here, I've eaten the jollof rice many times. My good friend, Michael, taught me how to drink the coconut water like a real African. My goal is to raise that percentage. When I take the next test, that it will, maybe in a percentage, if I get enough Joloff, life, jo- life, it'll go up a little bit uh, to maybe 20%, but uh, I'm, really, I'm, I'm really grateful uh, for everyone uh, who has served me since I've been here. Uh, my brother here was... Uh, Jose and Ama and uh, Michael, they have, everyone has been just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And and I do want to say a special thank you to Michael. He spent all day with me yesterday as I went to go see the castle. He was trapped in the car with this old man <laughs> listening to me ramble and share all my thoughts. And he was so respectful and honorable. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And to your pastor, um Pastor Sam, uh, I don't have to tell you what you already know. He is a wonderful man of God. His wife and family, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And uh, they have been lovely. And so I came here as an invitation from a friend in him. Uh, But I may be leaving with a brother. And so I want you to know that. And I want you to know that it is... Dangerous, because my brothers, they cannot shake me easily. Uh, Once once we are stuck, uh, we are stuck. So consider. Consider if you want to be with me, amen? Amen, amen. You know, many years ago, when I was still in the university, I was finishing school. And I began to work in the field that I was studying. uh, And I began to work in what was called a boy's home. So this was a home where young boys were sentenced by the judge because of their criminal activity. And they were sent to a home where they had to do all the things they would normally do. They had to go to school, and my job was a temporary parent. I would come to work when they got out of school, and I would do all the things that a parent would do. I would feed them, help them with their homework, uh, give them chores, um, take them out to do other things, activities, Um, and I didn't have any children at this time. I was a young man. But as you might know, many of you who are parents, one of the hardest parts of the job is getting them to bed. And so every day, the hardest part was getting them to go to sleep when it was time. These were boys 12 to 17 years old. And so one night I had a boy in my dorm, and he decided that this was his night to act up. To to, to carry out. And so every time I would send him to bed, I would go down to the other end. He would come running out of his room and acting up. And so I said to myself this night, I'm going to shame this boy in in going to bed. I'm going to shame him into going to bed. He's a 13-year-old boy. So I told him, do I have to come down there and put you in the bed like a little baby? And so I began to walk down there, and he ran into his room, and he jumped in the bed. And so I took the sheets of his bed and I began to fluff them like this to try to embarrass him. Like I would little, you have. I have to treat you like a little boy. And so I tucked him into the bed and then something very funny happened. As I began to tuck him into his bed, he curled up into the fetal position as if he was grateful and happy of the attention I was showing him. And so I finished tucking him in the bed. I prayed for him. I turned off the light and he went to bed the rest of the night. And I walked out of the room. I was 21, 22 years old. And I'm thinking, to myself, Lord, what was that about? And then I heard the Lord say to me, he said, David, you're doing a lot of wonderful things for these young boys on the job. He said, but the greatest thing you will ever do for them is when you love them. When they feel love from you, that is the greatest thing you can ever do. And what I want to talk to you with I want to talk to you today just about that. Love. Because in the Christian life, we all understand and know that love is a part of what we should be doing. We understand this. But sometimes in our lives, when love is what is required of us and we are reaching for it, we can't seem to find it. It seems to be hidden away on the top shelf somewhere and I need to express this love, but I can't seem to find it. The moment calls for love that Christ has given to me, but it's so hard and I just cannot seem to do it. I want to read some things to us this morning. But before I do, our passage today will be 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But before we read that, I want to take a few moments to back up to the very end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. And I want to talk to you first about what was going on in the Corinthian church at this time. Paul is addressing them. Because in the Corinthian church, they have began to look at the giftings that the body and the giftings of the spirit that God had given. And they have begun to esteem and value certain gifts more than others. And you know, we often can do this. If someone has the gifting of singing, it brings them up front and they can be exalted. If someone has the gifting of of preaching or prophesying, those things are easily exalted. And so it was happening in this church. And Paul writes them and he gives them a warning and he says this to them. Because they had gone overboard in their interest in the spiritual gifts. And he says to them in verse 29, chapter 12, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? And then he says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. And he says, and I show you still a more excellent way. Paul is saying all those things are wonderful. All those things are important and they make up the body of Christ. He says, but if you really want to know where the sweet juice is, like I had in the middle of that coconut yesterday, if you want to know where the sweetness is, I'm going to show you where it is. And he proceeds to write 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak with tongues of men of angels, but do not have love, I'll become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. And he says, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, just as I am fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But I want you to say the last part with me. But the greatest of these is love. The Spirit's principal task in our lives is to reproduce in us the character of Jesus Christ. The priority in that character reproduction is love. And it is from love that all the other giftings flow from. This chapter shows that love is an excellent way but the question remains, an excellent way to what? The answer I want to talk about in four ways today. Why love is the excellent way. Why it is worthy of pursuit. Why we should never give up a heart of love. I want to look at the first three passages and I want to talk about why love is the best spiritual gift there are many giftings in the body but why love is the best spiritual gift paul mentions speaking in tongues prophecy generosity martyrdom and all of these things that bring attention to us and that's these gifts are wonderful but the danger of these gifts is that they draw attention to us even me standing here holding this mic right now i'm serving god i'm using my gift in his kingdom but that gifting is also drawing attention to me it's dangerous but see love is different see oftentimes love goes from me to others it requires me to take a back seat it requires me sometimes to go down so that others can be exalted And when we do that, it reproduces in us and makes us more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Without the presence and the practice of love, the gifts of the spirits are useless. Listen, what good is it if you have a gift like my brother here who can sing like the angels nonstop? My voice was hurting just he on and on and on and on. I sing one song and I'm out of gas. He His tank never runs empty. But what good is it if you have a gift to sing like an angel but you don't even like the people you sing to? See, what good is it if you can preach and, and put together words and minister in a way that helps people understand the love of God and who he really is? And then when they want to... T- I don't have time talk to me I have to get in my limousine don't you see It's waiting for me outside I don't have time to talk to people what good is the gift the giftings are made so that we can express love one to another but when we get caught up in the gifts and we forget that they're there to edify the body and to help us love one another then you can keep that gift because it's no good it's no good because it's no good in his, in the eyes of God the gift is not there to esteem me but it's there to make us love one another and we should always understand through whatever gifting you might have love is what I want to. I want you to feel connection with God is what we want you to feel in fact If you listen to me at all for any length of time, you will understand and know that I am very passionate, not only about my African connection, but I'm passionate about the descendants of African slaves in America. That's the community that I live in, and that is whom I feel called priority, primarily God has given me a heart for those people, my people. And one of those who are most important to us in that journey is Dr. Martin Luther King. And one of the primary reasons the civil, right, the civil rights movement was one of the greatest movements of the modern era when African Americans in America were fighting for their, their rights and their, to, to be acknowledged as humans and citizens. One of the reasons why this movement was so successful and so great because it was rooted in love. Dr. King recognized. We can't hate our way out of this. We can't fight our way out of this. The only thing we can do is put the love of Jesus front and center so that there is clear distinction. In fact, one of his greatest quotes that I love to say is this. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. See, love has a power and an ability to do things that nothing else can do. And that is why love is the best spiritual gift. Love can take brothers and love can take enemies and make them friends. And so it is the best spiritual gift. Number two, I want to say this to you. Love is the chief aspect in the fruits of the Spirit. We're all aware of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you think of all of these things like a mathematical equation, if you add them all up and you put the equal sign, guess what you get? Love. That's what they all add up to. Love. So not only is it the best spiritual gift, but it's the chief aspect of the spirit. And as, as believers, our goal to every is to every day walk in what? In the fruits of the spirit. Whether you are single, whether you are married, whether you are at home, every day your goal is to get up and walk in the fruits of the spirit. And how many of you know, love can be the hardest with the people closest to you? Amen. Amen. Loving the people right down the hallway from you can be the hardest. Loving the person that you wake up with every day. Come on now. Can be the hardest. Because love is patient with people. It tries to understand them and react accordingly see love doesn't always say listen to me listen to me hear what i have to say love is patient it says let me listen to you i want to hear your point of view love is kind in that it always thinks of a gentle and constructive way of dealing with people in difficult situations as we sat around the table at pastor sam's house and we talked about different, many different issues. And for the first time, we were talking about racial issues and, and issues of contention. And as I listened to him, it was the first time I got a perspective from an African man. And sometimes just listening and being a little patient before you speak. You can learn something. You can, you can hear something that you otherwise couldn't see. Because, see, I only have the lens of an African-American, the experience of, of tension with my white brothers, of hurt and pain. And that lens, I'm always having to wipe the window so I can see clearly. Because that's how I grew up and that's what I've experienced. And so sometimes when I go through things, I'm asking myself, is it this, or is it because of this? Is it because I'm black? Is it because I'm always having to wipe the window to see clearly? But as I listen to my brother, he didn't have—he doesn't have that. He doesn't have to wipe that window as much as I do. Because I—I be, I just when you're patient and loving, God oftentimes will speak to you more clearly. You can walk in the Spirit more freely. And all you have to do is be a little bit more patient and a little bit more kind. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Colossians 3 and 14 says, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. If believers are going to walk together in unity, how can you do it without love? If you're going to have unity in your home, how are you going to do it without love? If you're going to have have peace and unity in your church, how will you do it without love? Love is the chief aspect in in the fruits of the Spirit. And it is why we should always, always be reaching to be patient, to be kind, to be long-suffering. Yes, many of you got a chance to meet Pastor Jeremiah Morris. He is my white brother. We've had a relationship for many years, and the love is deep between us. But all our conversations haven't been loving, or I should say haven't been agreeable. There are times when we disagree. There are times when we push back on one another. There are times when I told him, you don't know what you're talking about. Eh, you don't know what you're talking about. And he has said the same thing to me. But the thing that we have strived for all along the way is that never will we not love one another. It's okay that we disagree from time to time. That's okay. It's okay that you don't see the world just like I see it. That's okay. It's okay that you think the Joloff in Nigeria is better than uh, 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 Ghana, but I think it's Ghana. But it's okay. My vote is for Ghana. But we still going to love each other anyway. And what I found when you walk in love, even with people who disagree with you, the relationship becomes sweeter. It becomes, because all of us, when you cook, who, who cooks with, with salt only? Who cooks with pepper only? No, you want a little salt, a little pepper, some palm oil, some other ingredients. Because all the ingredients make the dish tasty. But when it comes to us, I only want the people who agree with me. I only want to walk with you if you agree with me. But the sweetness in love is that I'm able to walk with everybody. Even when you disagree with me, it's okay. Because I still love you. We have a saying that says, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do. I'm gonna love you you know I have a uh, a favorite rapper in America he's a Christian hip-hop artist his name is Bizzle anybody know who he is you know Bizzle all right yeah I, I call him the hood poet such godly lyrics and one of the things that he says is this in one of his songs he says love sometimes is measured By the hate you can love through. See, it's easy to love when I get that in return. See, when when you, when you treat me well and you show me love, it's easy for me to love you. But what happens when I don't receive love? Can I still give it? Love is measured sometimes by the hate you can love through. As believers, we are called to love even through the hate. And again, that's why the civil rights movement was so good. Because even when Dr. King's life was under the threat of death. Even when they were throwing bricks at his head. Even when they threatened to blow up his home with his family inside. Even when they locked him up in jail along with all the children who marched with him he said i'm still going to choose love and he said if you take us to jail we will turn this we will turn this dungeon of shame into a place of hallowed ground you know how you can do that love love allows you to take what should be pain and what should be a place of great harm And turn it into a place that can be a a place of endearment. I'll tell you just a little bit before I go on. When I went to the castle, had a wonderful experience there. I sat down yesterday before I went to bed and I made a post about the day. And I had a lot of anticipation about that day. A lot of expectations I didn't quite know what to expect. I knew it would be hard. I knew it would be painful. But as I sat down in my reflections and wrote about what that day had meant to me, in the end, I I, I mentioned this was a place of great pain and sorrow. And quite frankly, my very family member, my ancestors could have come through this place. But what was meant for evil, God is meant for good, for the survival and the growth of my people. And so a place as I kneeled down, and even though my heart was heavy, a place where great evil happened, I was able to eke out. A little hope and joy. That God, you did not forsake us. You did not abandon us. Even though it was a hard road. I look at my life. I look at my family. You have you have walked with us. And So even though sometimes bitterness will seek to come up in my heart as I look at these things, I'm still compelled to love. You know the the, the God gave us the opportunity in the tour. There's a a man who was over the whole castle and he's buried there. He said, "If you want to come and stomp on his grave, come on, you can stomp on his grave today." And the temptation was heavy to do it. <laughs> Very heavy to do it. But you know, I said, "You know what? There's no need for that." God has already done a work in my heart. I don't need to do that. I'm going to choose love. I'm going to fight for love. But it's not easy. It's an everyday struggle. Many of you may have other areas. That's an area for me, but it might be different for you. There may be another wound and and another hurt in your life from somebody or something that every day you're confronted with it. And you have to choose I'm gonna to love today. I'm gonna to love today. I'm trying to make the case to you that it's worth it. The freedom that God gives you and the joy that comes from it is irreplaceable. And thirdly and lastly, well thirdly, let me say this love is the is superiority to other gifts in that in fact that it never fails. When all other gifts pass away, love will remain. We read it in verses 8 through 13. Human love at its best may fail and diminish. When I was 25 years old and I asked my wife to marry me, or I promised big things. Big things. I said, listen, girl, if you marry me, no man will love you like I can. I sang the songs to her. I said, you'll have sunshine on a cloudy day. When it's cold outside, you'll have the month of May if you're with me. Girl, don't choose anybody else. I'm the one for you. Take this ring and be my wife. I picked her car up and detailed her car and brought it back to her. Clean the inside. This is just a taste <laughs> of what I would do for you when we. if you say yes. Oh, I poured it on thick. Oh, they're very thick. But after we got married, I realized something. I made all these promises, but what I should have been saying was I'm going to try my very best to love you like nobody else can love you. Because what I found that love is hard. It's very hard. And human love oftentimes failed. There have been times when I promised my wife, I have not lived up to it. When I was needed to love in the way that I promised, I'm broken. I, I, I can't do it. But that's human love. The kind of love I'm talking about today is not human love. This love that the spirit speaks of, This is the love of our Lord Jesus reproduced in us by the spirit. It does not fail, but goes on and continues where human love stops. It's why you can love those who persecuted your ancestors. It's why you can love those who may have hurt and harmed you personally. It's why you can love the family member who hurt you. It's why you can love the the, the neighbor who has wronged you. Because this love is the love of the Spirit. And it goes beyond where human love stops. There will be a time when prophecy and direct revelation of God, of the present and the future, will no longer be needed. That's why, the Bible, that's why the passage says we know in part, we prophesy in part, but then we should know fully. See, when you and I stand before God, we don't need faith. I won't need hope. Why? Because I'll be right there. I'll be with him face to face. But you know the one thing I still will need? Love. The love of God, the love with God goes on and on and on. And even when we see him. So if love is the thing that will be, I will need eternally. Maybe it's the thing I should be practicing the most right now. Let me close with this. The strength of Christian love is the fourth point. Love is the greatest because it's the very nature of God. We know this in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. When we show love, we show the very nature of God. And love is the greatest because it leads others to Jesus. Let me read 1 John 4 and 7 to you. Beloved, let us love one another for the love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God for God is love by this love of God was this love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him in this love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins beloved if God so loved us. We also ought to love one another. The reason why love is so important, finally, is because it leads others to Christ. It leads others to Jesus. And that's ultimately what our lives should be about. So when I choose love, I'm not just choosing love because it's the right thing to do. I'm not just choosing love because it makes me feel good. I'm choosing love because ultimately, this is how I show you who Jesus is. And this is how I win others to the love of Christ. When they see those who should not be getting along, walking along in the love of Jesus, it ministers to them. When people in America see me and my brother Jeremiah walk in love, it ministers to them. Who does God want to minister through you? through love. Are there family members in your family who don't like who don't love each other? Who cannot get along? Maybe God wants to use you through love to heal them and bring them to Christ. See, love is a powerful gift. It's the it's the best power spiritual gift. And here's the other thing about love that's so beautiful. Everybody can do it. You don't have to be specially anointed. You don't have to be super talented. You know, I know the main sport here is soccer, what you call football. In football, you got to be fast. You have to have much endurance. You have to be very agile to play at the highest level. But in the kingdom of God, you don't have to be super talented to play at the highest level. You don't have to be the most spiritual person to play at the highest level. Because love is something everybody can do. In fact, you don't have to go to seminary to play at the highest level, you don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to know every book of the Bible. You don't have to be super special. You can be like these children right above our heads. If all you know is Jesus gave his life for me because the father loved me and so I'm called to love others. You've got the best spiritual gift and through that god will use you greatly and immensely let me pray for us this time